When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Mum and Mama podcast, brought to you as always by the lovely Golden Accountancy, wearegolden.com. How are you? I'm actually hiding on my staircase at the moment, away from my children, so I can record this. But um, I am good. I was very lucky enough to have another chat with the amazing Joanna Fortune. Um, If you haven't listened to my previous episodes with her, then I highly recommend them. Joanna is... She's so lovely and she's so knowledgeable and she's just got the nicest voice. I could literally listen to her all day. She's so comforting and reassuring and I just love her. So she has written a few books now. I think this is her fourth book um, about play. And the first are about parenting and playing with your children of varying ages. But this one, her new one, is about how we play as adults and how that improves our relationships. And it's something that you might not necessarily think about. Like, I've realised that I'm quite playful. Um, And I never really knew that. I thought, as as a parent, I found it quite difficult to play with my children when they were younger because... I was always just thinking about everything else that I had had to do and I just never really had the time, which is a real shame actually and I'm I'm sad about that because I was completely aware of it at the time as well because I remember that that was my experience when I was a child. So you do turn into your parents basically, you do, you just mirror what they do and I'm uh, regretful about not saying no, fuck work. Fuck all the other shit I've got to do. Let's just play Barbies. But anyway, I can't go back, sadly. But um, yeah, I think it's important. But yeah, I think it's surprising now. I've realised actually, no, I'm, I'm quite playful. As an adult, I do. I joke around a lot. Um, and I like winding my kids up. I mean, what is the point of having kids if you can't wind them up? So yeah, but anyway. anyway Joanna has written this book to help us help us, I suppose, realise that and ways we can start to play if we don't know how to. But anyway, here's Joanna. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewellery from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. 
Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Work. Work. How old is she now? She is five and a half. Can you believe that? No, I can't believe that. Like, it's it's just crazy. I think I've written a book every year of that child's life. Yeah. <laughs> it's, How have you done that? I don't know. I'm, and I'm, <laughs> I'm in a place where I'm really like, I don't know. But it's not that it's like, I'm like, okay, that's enough now. Maybe, maybe no books next year. Maybe, you know, I've had so many things yeah. on. And I think that with the pandemic, um, I had this initial notion because, you know, when, when it first hit and everything cancelled and I had this notion that, oh, I'll have no work on, you know, everything I do is a lot of in-person work. It's all going to yeah. cancel. And however long this takes, you know, when we thought it'd be about six weeks, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, I was like, sure, it will be a lovely break. And I committed to other projects thinking I won't have anything else to do. Actually, the pandemic years have been my busiest years because in business because of course mental health became such yeah. a big amplified issue and because of how you know there were so many dramatic changes to everybody's lives very abruptly no notice we anyone you know who might have been managing mental ill yeah. health you know or just trying managing their own well-being quite well lost access to the formal and informal supports that were keeping them well and so actually demand shot up, everything yeah. moved online, especially events. That was such an interesting thing. Talks, conferences, trainings, events, everything moved very quickly and very yeah. successfully online, where now conference organizers don't need to organize gluten-free foods and vegan this yeah. because they can just have you eat your own food at your own yeah. and join the <laughs> conference. So actually, it's been a really busy couple of years you know yeah. it really has yeah so I'm I'm getting to how did I do it I don't know but I'm tired <laughs> I'm tired you are. yeah well I just I mean the I mean obviously I've never written a book but I think that I, I just feel like I'd really need to concentrate on just that when I was doing it and the yeah. thought of being in a place where I was able to just think about one thing at a time mm -hmm. 
just seems like I don't know if I'm just thinking when the girls go to university, if they yeah. go to university, but yeah. I'm like, but even then. That's a whole other stage of parenting, be... isn't it? Like there's, you're yeah. still parenting, even when they're at, yeah. maybe especially when they're at university. I think that transition from, you know, school into whatever comes next, be it university, be it work, be it training programs, yeah. whatever it is, that's a big transition because you're really going from being the child who's called in the morning, handed their lunch, sent off to school or whatever it is, money to buy lunch. And now it's like, you're your own boss. Get yourself up and out the door. That's a big transition for so many young people. Yeah. So I actually well, don't think that's it. That's not when the break will come. <laughs> well, I don't think the break ever comes, does it? I, it just changes. I mean, my dad still does my gardening. I'm 44. There you go. <laughs> See, there's no end to it because that's the. it's a journey and it's one across yeah. the trajectory of our lives that we carry with us. I, I really think that's that's there. But I do think we all have a book in us. I do think at yes. fundamentally, it doesn't mean we'll all tell that story or write that story, but yeah. I do think we all have one in us because but we're see, storied that's, people. That's why I love doing this podcast because I do feel like everyone I talk yeah. to has got a story. Everyone's got something that's happened to them or ha an experience of something that's different to every single person on the planet. Yes. Haven't they? So that, oh. that's why I love... I totally agree with you. And I do think that, you know, if we're storied people, which we are, and everyone's living a storied life, and even how we, you know, integrate those stories into our general sense of self, that informs how we live. We're born into family stories, family narratives. We've talked about that before. Yeah. You know, we have this intergenerational self that we carry with us, you know, bringing the past to the present and bringing something for the future. I think there's a book in everyone. Yeah. I, so when did you write your books? Was it when your daughter had gone to bed at night? Uh, well, or did you have booked in breaks to do it? I mean, ideally, I did have some slots that I would say that's a writing slot. The truth is weekends. I sacrificed yeah. a lot of weekends and a lot of evenings, Be, you know, um, because I had my general workload. Um, I was also doing some additional study because, I mean, I wasn't busy enough there. Um, but, you know, I so I did kind of ring fence that when she's at her activities and there might have been a birthday party in the afternoon. So a chunk of Saturday, yeah. I would know she's out. Her dad would take her off to activities, do all the heavy lifting there. And I would use that time. And because I would know I have, say, five hours, I would yeah. make make that five hours work. Yeah. I would sit and just for that five hours, make it count. And doing quite a bit of that, you know, I'm actually just saying to my husband, we're going to go away for a few days. And I was like, you know, it'll be the first time. I think I'm almost like, I think, I hope I haven't forgotten yeah. anything where I'll be like, I don't have a deadline hanging over me at some level going, I really have to get that in or do that yeah. or finish that. But I'm like, no, they're finished. My deadlines are finished, you know? So but like, how does that make you feel anxious at all it does it does yeah, funny, I have to be it? honest because you yeah. know when you set yourself a pace and I do think we all have a default pace how we move through life and we'd like to think it's somewhere in the middle and we're you know we have highs and lows and it's mostly in <laughs> sync and balanced but when and that's great if that's you but I think that we all also have this setting that when we're activated by stress by pressure and who isn't that's life 
we go to one of two ways. For me, I go up, I shift up the gear and I get into frenetic pace. And that's not a a humble brag or a humble boast. That's me very much saying, I know I have that tendency to take on a lot and look at, you know, sure, who needs sleep? I'll just do it in the evenings. (laughs) Who needs rest? I'll do it on my weekends. You know, so, and others of us would retreat like a turtle into a shell we shut down in times of pressure and go I have so much to do but I just cannot get off this chair and I cannot do it and that's more of that kind of in your autonomic system that dorsal retreat that shutdown and whichever way we go we need to know that about ourselves so that we can have conscious strategies so for me it is about catching myself and saying I need to go for the walk in the evening, even if it's only 20 minutes around where I live. I need to do that. I need to do a yoga class. I need to go out with friends. I need things that pull me out of that frenetic pace down into where it's comfortable. If somebody is like, no, no, I'm the person with the blackout blinds and the weighted blanket and I'm staying in bed. (laughs) You'll need conscious strategies that say, get up, get dressed, have a shower, call somebody. Go for we all need to know our patterns yeah. because that's how we know we're out of sync. Um, yeah. And if you know you're out of sync, you can find your way back into sync. But if you don't know that and you then normalize frenetic pace as a normal way or that kind of retreat and shutdown as a normal way of functioning, it goes on for a prolonged time. And that's not yeah. your that's not in your interests. Yeah. But I suppose it works for you with your writing when you have limited space because totally a lot of people it when you're creating <laughs> yeah to have limitations put on that or timelines put on that can really affect can't it like if you if you're, you're sat down you think right you've got to write something create something yeah but you've got to do it in this space of time you're either going to go i can't i can't do this or you're going to be like right absolutely and one of the things i'd say about that is especially anything for me the type of writing I do I write a weekly newspaper column I've written books and I've written sort of academic research thesis documents okay so very different types of writing very different types of deadlines but they all have deadlines like when you write a book and when a publisher says yes we would like that book from you they don't say in your own good time Joanna (laughs) you know they're saying and we will need draft one by this date and then we will send it back to you by that date and you'll send it back to us again by this date you have a timeline so there is a structure and I I do well with structure I'm a person who I yes I take on too much I put my hand up and own that about myself but it's within certain structures, there's a deadline. If I say yes to this, it doesn't have to be in tomorrow, but it does need to be in in eight weeks. In eight weeks, what can you do? How can you? And I write quickly um, because I'm only writing things I know. I'm not taking on a commitment to something where I'm like, well, that's out of my depth and comfort zone and knowledge base. I'll have to do a lot of research. Like I really respect fiction writers because they're picking themes and lives and topics for people that sometimes they know but sometimes they don't so they have to do research into well what is that like and what is that about that's much harder much more time than saying this is what I do this is what I know it's what I work now yeah. I have the challenge is to put that into something other people would like to read yeah so the new book so yes. the last time I spoke to you <laughs> There's always a book. <laughs> well, yeah. Wasn't that long ago? No, 
no that these have been quite quickly (laughs) yeah because I knew that I'm sure that you would I don't know if it was the last time I spoke to you or the time before that when you you had the idea and I was like yeah you've got to do it yeah it was I had the idea you're right I said it to you I think the last time we spoke I was like you know what's come up in all of this so writing 15 minute parenting and the three age groups for that you know the zero to seven eight to twelve teenage years what was coming up in a lot of conversation around that was gosh you know teenagers even play and I'm like they do but we all play and then that would well what do you mean we all play surely not and all of a sudden these conversations about play in adults lives were not just oh what an interesting concept but ooh. I want more on that. It changed. When I wrote my first book, I have a piece in it about parents, co-parents, adults together playing, even doing menial tasks like changing the bed or washing the dishes or tidying up that you do it playing and role playing and not play with intimate agenda or certainly not just play with intimate agenda, but play for play's sake. And I remember it being interviewed around the time of that first book. And, you know, the interviewer was saying, I mean, I get it cognitively. I get it. But oh, my God, the idea of doing that makes me cringe. I don't think I could play with my partner like that. I think I would feel so self-conscious and silly. Fast forward four years from then. And it's like, we'd like a full book on play in adult lives. There there has been a shift in how we yeah. think of this. And I do think some of that shift is certainly the pandemic experience yeah. because we've never needed to be more flexible, more adaptable to the ever-changing landscape. But I, I don't want to talk about it as if, and that's in the past and done because we're yeah. still in a state of yeah. ongoing yeah. flux and change. And play fuels and enables a flexible adaptable mind so suddenly we're playing we might not call it that but we are we're baking we're experimenting with sourdough starter and fancy coffee machines and running little barista shops from ourselves and we're getting you know three thousand piece jigsaws or those fancy lego sets that you'd need an engineering degree to get through you know we're doing i I have a friend who taught herself piano on youtube over the pandemic so we were things and and she's good she's good so you know we we were doing things because something in us instinctively knew I I need a something I need something that's going to help me and it was play playfulness and at that time you know I remember you know we, we we kind of pigeonhole playfulness don't we as you know the Ken dolls and the Barbie dolls and the action figures and the little things playing on the floor and that's certainly a a type of play but, you know, Wordle is a type of play. Look how big the Wordle uh, game and app was. Yeah. It still is. My family, to have a group, I'm not actually... There you go. so bad. But like my mum and dad and my sister and a couple of my nieces are all, they do it every day. And people sharing their got it in two, got it in three. This was a tough yeah. one. Took me the six goes. When people are sharing that, there's also an engagement with the community who have a shared interest with you. But a little bit of that challenge piece of did you beat me? Are you better than me? Am I better than you? There's that little bit of edge that comes in with that. All of that is play. You know, it's a, you know, crossword puzzles, you know, words with friends, Wordle, Sudoku, jigsaw puzzles. If that's your thing, then your play tendency is intellectual play, but it's still play. So really what I wanted with this book was to challenge those preconceived limiting notions that we have that play is this box of toys in a playroom or a child's bedroom 
And it has no business in our serious adult lives because that's just not true. There is a seriousness to play. And I always think about it that when we set up on our you know, more serious career-oriented work lives, we really are maybe placing career at the forefront and that can serve us well in the short term. You know, we're trying to get promoted and make, you know, pathways for ourselves. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but what will happen is if you stay in that mode for too long, after a prolonged period of forgetting how to play, you will see an impact in relationships, in your productivity at work, in your general you know, capacity to enjoy life, in your whole holistic well-being, you'll see that impact play out. So for me, it's about that, yes, you'll change how you play. We do need to keep playing, and it's never too late. Yeah. You know, I'll always bang that drum. It is never too late. It's we, you're, we've all been children. For many of us, that has been an experience where your play was celebrated and encouraged and nurtured, and we had grown-ups who delighted in our creativity and playfulness. And for some of us, that wasn't the case. We might have grown up where there were other things going on at home and maybe we were told very young to snap out of it, stop that silliness and nonsense and help out with this and take on these pseudo adult roles too early. So maybe we have a different relationship with play. And again, in this book, I'm bringing you back to do a, a reflective exercise on your play history to understand one way or another how that is influencing the playfulness in your present life. And just to ask, are you happy with how that is? Because when, yeah. when I put the question out, I may have done it on social media. I do it on polls when I'm doing trainings or talks on Zoom. And it's always when I say, would you like to live a more playful life? 100% yes. People are saying, yeah. yes, 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 I would like to. And so then it's what gets in the way. And in adult lives, yeah. it's time, it's opportunity, and it's self-consciousness. They're the three factors that people say, I'd love to. And I do think I'm playful, but I don't have the time. And I don't really get a chance for that in my life. I've got too much going on. And I'd be so worried that people would judge me if I did something, quote unquote, silly. And yeah. so, again, this is a roadmap to reintroducing play and playfulness into our lives in a way that is manageable, comfortable um, for us. Um so one thing you did say there is the self-conscious. Yeah. Because that's very, because I've got Lola's 11. She's just started oh singing. Oh, my goodness. And it's, she's actually, she's quite confident. Actually, she's very confident. I don't know where she gets it from. But Juno is now entering that kind of self-conscious. So they had the school disco last night. Right. And I was like, did you dance? And she's like, no, well, a little bit, but she's, I think that when that kind of happens. How old is Juno? She's eight. Yeah, but that's well, nearly nine. Actually. Yeah, because that nine is peak for it. So like you're thinking <coughs> um, eight to 12 years is that middle childhood phase. And it's like when they pull away from early childhood where, you know, you're the important hub of social emotional development. Everything you say, I take it, I accept it. You know everything. And now in middle childhood, there is that increased self-awareness, but not just self-awareness. I'm also much more aware of how I perceive others might be perceiving me. And yeah. so 
it's not just my awareness of, oh, myself and I'm changing and growing and feeling a little awkward. It's also, and how are those people? And, and by people, I mean my peers, by the way, my yeah. same age peers, maybe slightly older. How are they perceiving me, thinking about me, talking about me? And I can tie myself up in knots about it. And actually, the worst thing any of us can do is say to our child at age, nobody's talking about you. Because... Yeah that's even worse than everybody talking yeah. about me you know it's it's that and you get a lot of that push pull in that middle childhood where you see the evidence emerging that they're able to do more things for themselves that independence and then you get flashes of really young emotional meltdowns or tantrums or these flashes of why you know crying and falling apart and you're like well which is it are you independent mature or are you still not you're very codependent immature and the answer is it's a little from column a and it's a little from column b and you do not know i would say day to day but sometimes it's moment to moment which version of me i'm leaning into in that moment so you can get it absolutely right and absolutely wrong and at the end of it go i don't know what i did different (laughs) in either one of those outcomes i don't know what i did to affect that so it's very tricky at that age and self-consciousness does begin to come in at that age and we're talking about it as adults but it starts when we're eight nine ten eleven and eleven is that tricky one as well isn't it coming into adolescence yeah because i i I don't i didn't let go of that self-consciousness until I hit my forties, really, I think. I, I think that's a really common experience. I think we do carry that forward with us and we beca- we live our lives in accordance with how we think other people are viewing us and yeah. experiencing yeah. us. And that's even before we apply the lens of social media and its influence yeah. in that. And we have to apply. I, I hate yeah. sounding like, oh, it's always the fault of social media. And it's not, of course. There are lots of pro-social benefits to social media too. But, and it is a big But (laughs) there is also that piece of we're constantly getting feedback as to how others are perceiving us. We're we're seeking it out. We're eliciting it. We're performing for it. And then we are validating ourselves one way or the other based on the feedback we get back. So there's surround sound. What others think of us. We are self-conscious. Yeah, 100%. I can't can't remember who I was talking to because I was saying obviously that's how... I've got a love-hate relationship with social media. It's, Me too. In some ways, I think it's absolutely terrible. But then in other ways, I live in this house and I've got the job that I've got because of social media. Yeah. You know? And my friend who moved to America years ago, we still see each other all the time because of, you know? Absolutely. But he said, obviously, and it's in the news at the moment, isn't it, about that poor girl who Awful. took her own life because of what she'd viewed online. Mm. But he's like, I'm sure I'm not They said... But is there any statistics for the people that it's helped because they found their people online? Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they found their groups and then they've been helped by it. And I was like, well, that's quite it is really hard, isn't it? Is is it is it helping more people than it's hurting or is it hurting more people than it's helping? And and I, I think it's very hard to tangibly measure that because there are always other variables Um, as to why certain content affects some of us one way and not another way and you know I might scroll I think I'm checking social media for a few minutes and it's like the blink of an eye and I've lost 45 minutes and I'm going how how did that happen or you know when my phone messages me saying you know your usage of your phone is up five and a half hours I'm like 
like I had nothing else to do with five and a half hours, you know, when we've just been talking about time. And so I do see how it can be very consuming and absorbing and we we lose ourselves in that. And that's the piece. Now, some of us will go on social media, we'll scroll, we'll click, we'll watch, we'll view, we'll go, oh, goodness, that was 45 minutes. It shouldn't have been. We'll log off and get on with our day. And it really won't have affected us greatly. Or if it did, I'll shake it off quite quickly and re-engage with people in the real world but for some people that's not the experience so actually social media isn't for everybody it isn't and and I think part of the challenge with for social media platforms that they really do have to stand up and I think what's coming out about that tragic awful case that you mentioned so sad is that there is responsibility for these platforms around the content that they are enabling to be shared and made available so I think we need to talk to our children but please don't see social media and content up there as a child issue only it certainly is an issue for protecting children but you know us grown-ups we need to check in with ourselves about our own behavior online the things that are said the things that are shared because certain platforms that isn't content being shared for or by children it's very much adults trolling other adults and behaving in very toxic ways online so I think we need to look at is social media contributing in a positive way to my life in which case the person you mentioned they're saying you know do some people find their tribe and find connect and great that is the answer for you and if your answer is you know it isn't I often feel worse about myself I'm in a prickly mood when I come offline it makes me snap at my partner or my kids and I'm, I'm just not my best version of self then that's your answer and yeah. we need to make choices around that because social media I mean is it a choice it, it, it should be a choice but a bit like you're saying I, I have a love-hate relationship with it I use um, social media for work I find social media really engaging connect yeah. connecting with people being able to do talks, even you and I talking this morning through a platform, you know, so I I find that amazing and powerful and really life enhancing. And then I find some of the stuff that I might stumble across as, why am I hate viewing this? Why am I, why am I grumpy? Why am I looking at somebody's content just to go, oh, for goodness sake, that's on me. I need to have a word with myself. So I would do an audit quite regularly of who I'm following. Um, Do I need to change that? Um, Did that speak to me at a certain point in my life? And actually it doesn't anymore. And I need to change that up. And I find that very healthy because I'm also choosing to keep following. Yes, I will keep doing that. So if it's something negative, I have to own that I consciously said yes to that. And why? why? And I do. I mean, like I consciously on certain platforms more than others, I follow people I don't agree with because it keeps me questioning my own thought process it keeps me curious it keeps me engaged it keeps me going well why is it I agree or don't agree or I never thought of it like that I don't agree with it but it's useful to consider another perspective on it I do that consciously on certain platforms but that is that's that's good because I have unfollowed a lot of people Mm -hmm. because we have very different political views but then when 
things happen in the world. I'm quite shocked by it because I think everyone thinks like me. Yeah, it, but isn't that <laughs> the problem? Like, oh, yes. No. <laughs> I oh my goodness, yeah. I relate to that so much that we create these echo chambers for ourselves because yeah. who doesn't love being right? We love being yeah. right about everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. So if I can create a little echo chamber on my social media that reinforces I am right about everything because everyone agrees with me, then yeah. no, catch yourself in that and go, that's not real, is it? That's not the yeah. real world. We're, no, we're not supposed to agree with each other all the time. Two conflicting opinions and thoughts can coexist without cancelling each other out. Yeah. But actually, I think as a society, we're becoming much less tolerant of those differences. Now, that said, I wouldn't be able to follow a lot of people with different. Um, yeah. I'll follow a few just to keep me in check with that, but not lots, because that would really wear, yeah. wear me down. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, because I, there's certain people that I don't follow because I'd find it upsetting to see what they were saying. Yeah. But then it's good to kind of know that there are people that still, yeah. you know, hold those views that are so very different to your own. But yeah. Yeah. No, it is. And I think we also have to be aware of the role of platforms in this as well, because of algorithms. So if you mostly read a particular flow of content, that's what you're getting yeah. mostly, um, yeah. you know, and we do need to be aware of that. So if you're thinking, gosh, I thought I was following people I don't agree with, but I, they don't seem to say very much. No, they're saying yeah. plenty. It's just you're not proactively engaged with them and you're not yeah. getting so sometimes it's no harm just to read something on a browser look somebody's profile if it's open on a browser even if you don't follow them just to get yeah. a different feel for it um and again only as much as is in your interest and you can cope with we all have a saturate yeah. and the, do you know what the world is serious right now there's an awful lot of scary um really upsetting distressing worrying content um, out there so we do need to provide ourselves with light relief in that too and social yeah. media can have a role in that you know it can yeah. be the thing where you see the funny videos and the funny things and you link up with people to have a conversation and you go yes finally you're my tribe I found you we think the yeah. same or even just hobbies things you in that interest you you know I think I follow things that some curators online just post beautiful imagery just be just yeah. beautiful things and you know and I often think of it again through because of the way I, I tend to think is through that lens of playfulness that a play personality is the creator the artist and they are people who make things you know it could be beautiful things functional things could be seemingly ridiculous has no purpose things and actually that's very beautiful and playful to engage with yeah. so sometimes I find I'm in a place within myself where I know what I need to see is the costume designer's profile or yeah. the person who paints or um I can't think of her name off the top of my head now post-covid my my memory for names is very bad but uh, she puts like lovely little diamante sequences on things like eggs and different things and just it's just beautiful to look at yeah and so sometimes like that's where I'm at that's where I'm at yeah. all right algorithm feed me that that's what I'm looking for yeah, today yeah. and sometimes I want to know what's happening in the scary dark aspects of of life and the world because, yeah. because you know what I need to know that too yeah 
So how, if someone is self-conscious, how, how do they play? So that's, <laughs> yeah, you... that's a really, I would say you're going to start, oh, never start at the path of most resistance. When I'm having conversations that people go, oh, I could never do X, Y, Z, and I'm going, Great that you know that. Don't start there. Don't set yourself up to fail. So if you're thinking, oh, I'd be really uncomfortable, you know, um, sitting at my desk at work and blowing bubbles, because that's going to be something I suggest. OK, because <laughs> I, I don't have it to hand now because I, I was um, it's in one of my bags from yesterday. But I have generally a little Ziploc bag, like a freezer bag that I keep in my desk drawer. And in it, I would have a party bag size of bubbles, a small little thing of Play-Doh or putty. Um, I have a balloon. I have a handful, literally a handful of Lego blocks, some paper and a pencil. OK, and that will all be in there always. And when I feel like I need a play break and for me, that's when I'm getting very stuck, when I'm repeating myself in something I'm writing or doing, when I, I'm getting to that place where I'm going, what, what was I doing? What was I saying? And I'm getting a bit spacey. I need a play break. I'll turn away from what I'm doing. Five, 10 minutes would be plenty. Take it out. And I might build something with my Lego blocks. Doodle onto my piece of paper. Um, manipulate that Play-Doh. Mold it, pull it, roll it, stretch it, smash it. You know, make thumbprints into it. And then I put it away. The, the bubbles, by the way, is a really great way to for me to regulate. Because with bubble blowing, you are taking a deep breath in. And then you were exhaling out. And we know breathing is very effective with grounding, but we also know when you're stressed, yeah. it's really annoying when someone tells you to take a breath and calm down. But if you're blowing the bubbles, your focus is on the bubbles. And as you blow them, then pop them. But just with your pinky or just with your pointer or just your thumb, do something like that that is bringing it into something engaging. And if you blow up a balloon and if you're at home, or if you're in a work environment and you start practicing your own little keepy uppies at your table, nobody is looking at you, judging you. Give that, oh, I'd say three to five minutes less and somebody's coming over there and they're entering into that game and you're bopping it back and forth across the office now. And you, pre people will lean into that with you. So if you're thinking no wage when I'm not doing that in work, then that's not where you start. And yeah. if you do want to do some playfulness at work, but keep it very low key, Take a piece of paper out of your printer, fold it up and put it in your drawer with a pencil. And what you're going to do day one is take it and just take a pencil into your non-dominant hand. So for me, that would be my left hand because I'm right handed. I'd close my eyes and I would just scribble around that page, counting down 15 to one. And then when I'm done, I swap the pen back to my right hand, turn the page 180 degrees, so the other way. And then I add a few features into that scribble to create order out of the chaos. So I turn the scribble into a face or into a plate of food or into a, you know, trees and flowers, whatever I want to add into it. And that's my little play break done. And I've just been scribbling on a piece of paper. You can also yeah. do it in a way that you close your eyes in the opposite hand and put your pen or pen pencil on the page and try to draw around the edges in a circle. Open your eyes and close off if there's any gaps. And then every day, take that out of your desk and add one thing into it. And you're creating your ideal map of your ideal town. You're adding in buildings and people and landscape and infrastructure and anything you think would be ideal. You're just adding it in. It's not an art competition. And that's partly why I always say put the pen in your non-dominant hand. Yeah. As soon as you do that, 
you are not focused on getting it perfect because you can't. And it's a really good way to keep you anchored in the moment as opposed to, well, oh, that's not very good. I'll start again. Or that's not quite how I wanted it to look. That kind of activity is very low key, very low maintenance. And it's something you can do discreetly on your own. It's a great entrance into it. Another thing that you could do is reroute to reboot. So change how you travel from A to B. That could be from home to work. It could be from home to your parents' house or to your child's school, whatever it is, and change how you do it. Go a different direction. Instead of turning right, turn left and just travel a different way. You'll see different things, smell different things, hear different things. It's pushing you a little out of your comfort zone. You may have had to add in a little extra time to be flexible around that. That's a way of challenging ourselves to playfulness too. That's a really good idea. Simple things. And it is always the simple things. Like no one is going to pick up this book, Amy, and go, oh, I have to go out and buy myself that play kit. I mean, if you've children, they're very handy for supplies for the desk kit. They'll have Play-Doh. They'll have Lego. There's a few things. And, you know, I might tell you one more thing that you could do on a daily basis. If you're very self-conscious and you want to keep this very, I want to do it, but I want to do it myself. Take an ice cube tray and put a piece of Lego in each of the little ice cube holders. Fill it with water and freeze it. And every day when you come in or end your day, whatever that means for you, take an ice cube into each hand and close over your fists around the ice cube. You're going to feel the ice cold on your skin. So immediately it's sensory engaging and getting you into your body now. Have a basin or a bowl with warm, so not hot or cold, but warm water and submerge your closed fists into it. So you have the ice cold on your hands, your hands in the warm water and then wait And it won't take more than a few minutes, but it's also very much in a sensory way, downward regulating you into the moment. Now, if you're a little impatient and you keep checking and lifting your hands out to see, is it melting yet? I mean, that's about impulse control and delayed gratification for you, but it's going to take longer if you do that. Once you wait, you get the two Lego pieces out of it and then you stick them together in some way. And every day that you come in, take another two cubes and another two and another two. And you add two Lego cubes, two Lego blocks to whatever you're building each day. So it will change. It will evolve. It will develop. And that is going to take you about 10 minutes. You know, when you come in or stop working or stop what you do or everybody finally goes to bed, whatever it is for you in your world. Instead of flicking on TV or scrolling social media, you can do that afterwards if you want. But for 10 minutes, give yourself a sensory check in. And that's a form of playfulness. But it's just you. Nobody's watching you. Nobody knows you're doing that. It's one effort that you continue every day. It's something that you can build as a practice. That's a really good idea. How do you come up with these ideas? I have nothing in here that I haven't done. That's the other thing. I, I do. I find play has always been something that fascinates me. Um, You know, in my work, in my life, I do find that when I'm busy, anything I, I, I find when I'm getting too busy, it's usually, and I'm feeling irritable, stuck. I know it's because I've forgotten to play. And when I stop and go, well, when's the last time I did do something playful? It's usually been too long. And that's a sign that I'm getting irritated. But opportunities to play are actually all around us. We to get us going, we might find structuring something like a class or joining a team or joining a club might be very helpful. But you can play making a cup of tea. 
because you can keep the tea bag. And after you finish, just put the cup arms reach away from you on the floor and take aim and fire the tea bag into it and see, can you get it in? And, you know, then move it further away, further away or yourself further away and keep practicing that. And if you think no way tea bag stain, I'm not doing that, then that's OK. That one isn't for you, but get some tin foil and roll it into a ball and you can still do take aim and fire um, by doing it that way. And if you're yeah. if you're really good at this, guys, you could take a slice of bread and take aim and fire it into the slot of the toaster. You can play doing your mundane yeah. menial. And it's really about shifting into that mindset, Amy, because play has to be a state of mind for it to be effective, meaningful and sustainable. It's not just me going, well, now I better do my play. That's the alarm on my yeah. phone telling me to play. That, again, can be a helpful structure. But if you do this as a, to some extent on a daily basis across all facets of your life, what you're finding is you're building a playfulness in your state of mind and how you think, how you relate. And so you will actually find opportunities to play rather than having to look for them. They're going to present themselves and you'll see them. They're all around us. Yeah. So what are the benefits of doing that? Because really, it's about not just the flexible, adaptable mind that I was saying there earlier, that it does help us to become curious and creative. And if you have a curious mind, you have a playful mind. I always think I wonder is an indispensable life skill, because no matter what challenge, problem, uh, something not going your way or something new you've never done before. And we all have that air of anxious anticipation of, oh, I'm not sure how that's going to go. If you have a curious mind, your first step into that will be, I wonder, I, yeah. I wonder if I did this. I wonder if I changed. I wonder if I started. If you're wondering, you're in a playful state of mind. If you're like, I don't know how to do it. I've never done it before. You've stepped into rigidity. And that is the opposite to flexible and adaptable. So it's a sign that, you know what, you're getting stuck within yourself, within life. You need to find a way of getting you to playfully take a step out of that so it, it supports you know mental health and well-being it fuels connection because while you can play as a solo endeavor a, a lot of the activities in this book as well involve a play partner as you can build up to that and playing with others because play is a relational experience it helps us relate better to ourselves and then to others and within the environment we find ourselves in so play fuels connection so if we want healthier relationships, a healthier sense of self, a more joyful life, to be more creative, problem solving, productive, you know, in our career and to have a closer connection within our intimate partner relationships, but also our friendships, our adult siblings. And as the child, adult child of an aging parent, play will get you there. So play will strengthen and enhance all of those relationships in your life. And it just helps us to stay critical we've been talking quite a bit about social media and the thought bubbles that we might find ourselves in playfulness does help us go but what if what if it wasn't what if it was yeah. what if this and we can immediately get a bit cheeky and playful in that and I think that's great yeah so What's the next book going to be about? No, 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 no more books. Um, I'm definitely done with books. Four books in four years has been a lot. So um, I have no plans to write a book next year after that. But who knows? I might have a good fictional yarn in me yet. You know, I am fascinated by fiction writing, yeah. but it's not my natural instinct. So that would be me setting myself a challenge and going, could I? 
could I translate the spaghetti junction of what goes on in my head into a narrative <laughs> on a page? I don't know. But I'm looking forward, actually, in terms of what's next to streamlining. I think, you know, there has been a lesson for me as well over the pandemic period of you know, not not endorsing so much busyness in my life, but actually trying to yeah. move. And that will take effort on my part. That's not my natural instinct. So to plan for more days off, not say yeah. not saving up for holidays, waiting for a yeah. break, but planning in more flexibility in my schedule that enables me to have yeah. a more playful way of living. I'm that's my plan for next year. This year's done. Oh, this year's committed. I can do nothing about that. But next year. Are you still studying or have you finished? I am just finishing up a doctorate. That has been my other side side endeavor yeah. in the last little while. So that is finishing up, like currently finishing up. So okay. I'm hopeful that by the end of this year, I'll be ending 2022 with no book deadlines, no doctoral deadlines, no, you know, and actually that will be me going and a bit of an exhale. Um, and that's the space I'm really hoping to, instead of, you know, redistributing the time and space those endeavors occupied to say, well, what else could I do? Instead going, I'm just going to do nothing. And nothing yeah. is something. We forget that. Yes. Yeah. You know, that we can really do a lot with nothing. Yeah. And it's, I'm reading, have you read Untamed the, by Glennon Doyle? I have, and I have it behind me on the bookshelf here. And I love listening yes. to her. I think she's a great speaker. She She speaks a lot of those messages very well. But, yes. but there's a lot in that, isn't there? No, I'm <laughs> reading it at the moment. <laughs> and she, it's funny enough, she, it's about social media and saying about how it's a job. Yeah. And if, because you're always occupied, there's no time for boredom and it's when you're bored yeah. that that's when you grow and, I, and, and you become creative. And I fully agree with that. And you and I spoke yeah. about that back when we talked about, I think it was the second book, and we talked about boredom because one of the things that is, I would consider one of the biggest risks for any of us in our in our world today is um, in terms of, you know, I don't mean the greater things going on. I mean, our yeah. sense of self and well-being is around our inc increasing incapacity to be bored because we, yeah. we sabotage it with distraction and social media is the ultimate distraction that we're never just sitting on public transport looking at a window daydreaming or letting our thoughts float or talking to a stranger we're scrolling and actually yeah. out of boredom comes desire because in that state of kind of beautiful daytime reverie you know just kind of nothingness you will find something, you will make associations, you will make connections, you will have ideas, you will come up with something, you will revisit something that you've been holding on to, even at an implicit level. And yeah. you will be playing with it in how you think it through. And I think boredom is essential in human yeah. human development and well-being. So I I really think that we, I, I hate to prescribe a bit of boredom for ourselves. Don't yeah, be afraid yeah. of it. And certainly don't be afraid yeah. of our children and say, I'm bored. Congratulate them. Tell them you, yeah. you can't wait to see what they come up with. Yeah. It's an exciting no, thing. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. And I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going to implement more boredom in this house. That's a really great commitment. That is, we're coming up to that time of year, which I don't want to mention yet, but where resolutions tend to percolate in people's yes. minds. And yeah. I always make 
positive statements of things I'm going to do, not things I'm giving up or stop doing. I was, yeah. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do. And I would say, everybody should say, I'm going to be bored. Yeah. And let, let that be your thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much for coming on again to talk to me. Anytime. I, I love talking you. to you as well. It's yeah. always like just a cup of tea and a chat. Yeah. Um, and good luck with the book. Thank I'll you post so links, much. obviously, to everything, but I can't wait to read it. Yes. And good luck with finishing up oh. all the studying. And good, just enjoy your break. I will. I will. I will I'm so excited for you. Uh, so I am too. And uh, what might come out of that? Um, but it, yeah. it's been a busy few years. So, you know, we, we all need to exhale. There's an awful lot going yeah. on in people's lives at the moment. So, yeah blowing a few bubbles jumping in a few puddles and doing a few sketches be good to yourselves yeah definitely oh it was lovely all right thank bye, you bye so amy bye all right so yes so you can get her book now from all good book places i'll post links to her if you look in the podcast literature my brain my brain um then you will see links to her but yeah she's or just google google <laughs> but yeah she's absolutely wicked and the book's amazing she's amazing everything's amazing so enjoy it i hope you have a lovely rest of your day whatever you're doing in the world i hope you're good if you want to discuss anything that we discuss then please get in touch with me or joanna she's got time now hasn't she she's not writing any more books so she'd love to hear from you <laughs> But yeah, have have fun. Stay safe. Stay sane. Big love to you. If you haven't, if you, this is your first time, then um, check out my other podcast because I have loads. And if you have any suggestions, please get in touch. Subscribe to the podcast and share. Sharing is caring. Big love to you all. Stay safe and sane. And I will see you next week. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.